Well, we, as, as we approach this passage in uh, John chapter 14, I just want to begin just by asking you, I wonder, are any of you fans of poetry? Because I'm not. In my view, language is there to convey meaning. And uh, I'm a very simple man, you might have guessed that by now already. And I like things simple. I don't like flowery or poetic language. I just like people to say what they mean. But I've heard a lot of people talking about the past year as the journey of 2021. I wonder, have you heard that expression? That we're all on a journey and 2021 has been a difficult one. Many people had high hopes for 2021, that COVID would be over, that they got that wrong, that we'd be free, we'd be able to move on, we'd be able to go back to normal, and that's not happened. And if you're on social media, the time I advise you to avoid social media is around the new year. Because social media is filled with people telling other people what they've done for the whole of their year. And so you see people trying to condense the whole of their year into social media. And for some people, it's really interesting. And for other people, like myself, it would be a very short. What I've done and what's happened in my life, it wouldn't be much. But you see all of these people talking about how they're on a journey. And how this year has been hard and difficult. But 2022 is going to be better. 2022 is going to be at my year. That's what a lot of people have said. That I'm still on the journey to where I want to be. But I'm getting closer. And all of these words and all of these languages, I just struggle with what it means. Because I'm not here this evening, unfortunately, to say that 2022 is going to be your best year yet. Because I can't say that. I mean, I could say it. It just wouldn't mean anything. It would be vacuous. I can't guarantee you're going to have a good year. I don't know what you're going to face. But as we think about so many people talking about journeys, I want us to think about the journey that we are on. And I wonder, have you ever been in that situation where somebody asks you, somebody talks to you, and they say, do you know the way to go? And you go, yes, of course I know the way. It's this way. And then five, ten minutes later, you realize, hang on now, I think we went the wrong way. Have you ever been in that position where you've advised somebody to go this way, and actually it's not been that way at all? Somebody once asked me for directions and I told them where to go and then afterwards I thought, why is it the other way? Oh, well, they'll, they'll find it eventually. But, but everybody is searching for the way. And we come to this position where Jesus says in the John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. When a lot of people are talking about their journey in life, what they're really talking about is what they've done, what they've achieved, what they're going to do, and what they're going to achieve. But Jesus makes it absolutely clear that there is only one way in life, and that's him. There's no other way. It's a very clear statement. However, it's also a very arrogant statement, isn't it? If Jesus is not who he says he is, this is the world's most arrogant statement. 
But if Jesus is who he says he is, then that means that all people who are not trusting in Jesus by extension, they don't know the way, they don't know the truth, and they don't have life. And that's the reality, isn't it? You either know Jesus or you don't. And this evening, as we begin the new year, I just want us to think and focus on just that one verse to see what it really means for Jesus to call himself this. My first point is obviously the way we all understand that life can be hard and difficult. As we've looked back and maybe as we've reflected on the past year, we see it's hard. We know it's difficult. For many of us, there's been bereavements or illness or sickness. For many of us, it might just have been a year just a bit flat. Nothing really happened. Didn't really do much. It was just much of the same. I haven't done much at all. I wonder, what have you done in the last year? I was talking to a man once and I asked him, how, how are you doing? And he simply said, well, same as always, waiting for death. He was a very miserable man, you can imagine, but that was his view. His view was, every day is the same until one day I don't wake up. It's such a morbid way of life, isn't it? That man seem, seemingly had no direction. He had no way. He was just simply existing, just waiting for death. He had absolutely no direction. And I just wonder, as we approach a new year, have you got your direction right? Do you know what way you're heading in? Do you know, ultimately, where you're going? I wonder what way are you travelling? I love the, the great hymn that says, My God is the end of the journey. It's a great decree, that, isn't it? My God is the end of the journey. At the end of my life, at the end of all time, at the end of all things, my God will be there. I wonder, is that your hope and is that your decree? Is that your creed tonight? That at the end of life, I'll meet him. At the end of everything, he'll be there. I will be with him. Because if you are trusting in Jesus, that's the way that we're heading. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're moving towards. Him, always and forever, to be in his presence. What's greater than that? What's better than that? What's more encouraging than to be with him? But the question is, if Jesus is the way, if we are to follow him, the question is, the way to what? What, what is Jesus the way to? Well, Jesus is the way to God. He is the way to truth. He is the way to life. And the other thing we learn is that he is the only way. There is no other way to get to God other than Jesus. Quite an offensive message, really, isn't it? To lay that out there, but that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, it's me or nowhere. It's me or you'll never see God. And what Jesus later alliterates is that 
He is God. And if you reject him, you are rejecting God. There is no in the middle. There's no on the fence. I'm sure you you know people, maybe you are one. Whenever there's an argument, you always try to find the middle. Just not, you don't want to displease either person on either side. You just take a very nice neutral position. I think it's called the the Switzerland position. You you just, you sit in the middle, you're a bit neutral. It could be this, it could be that. There's absolutely no sense of that with Jesus. Jesus lays it down clearly that he is the way. As we begin this new year, are we sure and certain of who we're following? Do we know where we're going? Do we know that there is nothing like him? Nothing that can compare with him. Nothing that is close to him. And I just wonder, as a church, are we sure in that? When people come to us, we know, don't we, that there's only one hope. There's only one answer for them. There's only one help. There's only one way to be forgiven. And that is why the church is essential It's not a little add-on, it's not a little addition. It is essential because Christ is the only way. No one else like him. I wonder how many times have you taken a shortcut and it's ended up being a long cut, if I can put it that way. You go, I'll go this way, it'll be quicker. And then two hours later, you finally go, maybe it wasn't. I wonder, have you ever taken a shortcut that's turned out longer? You think, I know what I'll do, I'll, I'll go round. I might be heading in the wrong direction to begin with, but eventually I'll double back and I'll be further along. Sometimes we can often be a little bit uh, arrogant in our thinking and we can say, it'll be fine, this is a better way. I'm not going to queue like everyone else, I'm going to do something clever. And often that can get us in an awful place. So often the best way that we think doesn't get us to the best position. Often the way that we think is the best way to live isn't the most fruitful. It isn't the most helpful. And here we are called to follow Jesus. No shortcuts. No other way. No other additions to the route. No other meandering. We are called to follow him and stay close to him. Never meandering, never changing, just to keep following him. Now, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of swimming, and and backstroke was my stroke. And I, I was quite good at backstroke, except for the fact that I had an amazing ability to never quite go in a straight line. For some reason, I'd always zigzag. And so my, my uh, swimming coach would always say, Sam, if you swam in a straight line, you'd be so much quicker, because I was going this way and that way. I just wonder in our Christian lives, are we blown about by culture? Are we blown about by friends, by family? Is it so, isn't it so easy to get moved off course slightly? Maybe the last year, 2021, you found yourself drifting further and further away from Christ. And my message here at the beginning of a new year is he is the way. Get back to following him. There's no other way to hope. There's no other way for happiness. There's no other way to God. Follow him.
Stay on that narrow path. Cling to Jesus. Whatever the world promises you, whatever you think in your own arrogance is good or better, whatever sin tells you is better, ignore it. Cling to Christ. Hold on to him. And then what we read in the final way, in the, the, the final end of uh, verse 6, we read that no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Well, where is God the Father? That's the first question, isn't it? If nobody can come to the Father except through Jesus, where is the Father? Well, God the Father dwells in heaven. If you have any hope of getting to heaven, it's through him. There is no other way to heaven except by the blood of Jesus. That's what we believe. That's what we proclaim. That it is only in Christ that we can be forgiven. I'll put it this way. We are so sinful, so bad, that Christ had to die to bring forgiveness. We don't like thinking about it that way, but that's the reality, isn't it? That I was that bad, that you were that bad, that the only way everything that I've done wrong could be atoned for was for Christ to die. And he did it. Nobody else. Nobody else can close the chasm between you and a holy God but Jesus Christ. And therefore, Jesus declares that no one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through him. There's no shortcuts into heaven. Everyone in heaven will be there by the same way. The only way. Everyone in heaven will be there because Christ loved them. Christ chose them. Christ died for them. Everyone in heaven will be there because of him. The second point is the truth. The truth, what, what is truth? We're in a society that's questioning what truth is, aren't we? We've got a society of mass misinformation. It's amazing if you go and you read an article about something, you can read another article about the same thing with the entirely different point of view about whether it's good or bad. Truth is something that's very subjective and moving. God is not a visible God. God is the invisible God. But because of Jesus, we can see who God truly is. You tonight can know the invisible God because Jesus has made the invisible God visible. Can you imagine the uncertainty we'd have if we had to go on the internet to try and find out what God was like. Wouldn't that be a disaster? Constantly Googling and one article who says God's like this, another article saying God's completely different. We have a certainty. We have an assurance of what God is like. We can know truly who God is because Jesus has come. Because Jesus is God. You can know the Father if you know Jesus. For he is truth. As Christians, we often forget or lose sight of 
How precious it is that you can know the truth about God. I think so often we take the Bible for granted. Sometimes I think we can be a little bit entitled as Christians. It's not something that we're entitled to. God choosing to reveal himself to sinful, weak, finite people. That's not something that you can take for granted. That's not something that God should do. It's something that God has done. And it's something we should be eternally thankful for. God who is beyond us. God who is far away. God from eternity past. You can know him. Isn't that wonderful? This very evening, you can come to know God himself. You can know the creator. You can know the one who made all. You can know the one who sustains all. You can know the truth about God because he has revealed it in the person of Jesus. God revealing the truth about himself is nothing short of a divine miracle. And a divine act of love. He loves us. He loves you and he wants you to know him. We've sung about it, haven't we? That on that day, we will see him, the lover and the loved. I wonder how many of us have taken it for granted this week that the unknowable almighty being in heaven has made himself known. We've just celebrated Christmas, and in part, that's what we've done. Christ has come. God, who is far away, God, who is in heaven that I can never reach, that God has come as our Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what we hold on to, that God's with us, that we can know him. We can know the truth about who he is. Someone once said about a well-known personality, I won't say which personality, but uh, somebody once said of a well-known personality, you know when they're lying because their lips move. I wonder if you've heard that phrase before. You can tell when that person is lying because their lips move. The truth is hard to find. The truth is hard to encounter. This world is so full of misinformation and fabrication and dishonesty and dishonesty and in a world full of lies how can you accurately discern what is true with a world with so many people with different opinions how can you know what is true well psalm 31 is a really powerful psalm but psalm 31 and verse 5 says this i commit my spirit you have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. That is a great proclamation. The God that we worship here today is the God of truth. He is not a God of confusion. He is not a God who lies. He is not a God who makes uh, promises and then he, he tries to keep them, but he doesn't quite make it. The God that we trust in is the God of truth. Have confidence in that. That today you can know the truth. There is no deceit. There is no false witness. There is no lies found in his word. 
the Bible is inspired and preserved by him. It is kept for him, and we can have confidence of who God is, because we can read all about Jesus. And that is why in, a, in every difficulty, in every problem, in every issue that we face, we must never lose love for the truth. We must be people who love the truth. We must be people who love Scripture, who love the Bible, because every word from the mouth of God is true. By definition, the God of truth must speak truth. That's a logical, that makes logical sense, doesn't it? A God of truth would speak truth. And so, in a world that is constantly going this way and that way, God is truth. I love the great hymn that says, Will your anchor hold? Will it hold? Our confidence is not in our ability to discern right from wrong. Our confidence is in God's word. Our confidence is in what Jesus has said. We must know truth. And we must know him. I was once having a conversation with some people and they were speculating and guessing about what happened after death. They were thinking about what does happen after death. And it's a really morbid conversation. Clearly, I, I need some happier, cheery friends, I think. But they were having this conversation about what happens after death. It's a really important conversation. And they were talking about what happens after death. And one of them started by saying, well, I think this. That's what somebody said. They said, well, I think this. And they went off and they uh, went off and described what they think. But as a Christian, I was able to say, well, I know this. I know the future. I'm not guessing. I'm not trying to uh, gaze into a crystal ball to assume what comes next. I know what's going to happen when I die. I know where I'm going to be when I die. I know who I will be with when I die. And that is the confidence that we have. Whatever this year throws at us, whatever hardships and difficulties are coming, are you trusting in the one God who speaks truth? The God whose word is dependable and reliable and relevant for every day, for every situation, for every struggle, for every joy, his word is truth and it's relevant. I'm not certain of the future, but I trust in the one who knows all things. I wonder whose truth are you believing in because there is no truth if it goes against God's word. And God's word, God's truth is revealed to us through Jesus. And then just finally, the final thing I want us to talk about is life. Christ brings life. And the first thing I want us to note about life is that life comes from God. The statement that Jesus is making is really based on a simple truth. That all life, everyone who is living, everyone who has ever lived, has lived and is living 
Because God has brought life. God is the God of life. And John 1 makes it very clear that Christ was involved in creation. Jesus was involved in creation. And therefore, everything that is alive is alive because Jesus, in conjunction with the Trinity, brought it into life. God is the God of life. There's no one like him. There's no one who can bring life like he can. And so here we see logically Jesus is the initiator of life. And yet, so many people try to find life outside of the one who is life. Isn't that desperately sad? That people are looking for life, looking for happiness, looking for contentment and fulfillment. This next year, they're going to go to the gym. I wonder how long that will last for, but this year they're going to go to the gym and they're going to get healthy. And they're going to try and live and preserve their life for as long as possible. This year, they're going to go on holiday to that destination they've always wanted to go to. But is it really life? Is that what life's about? Is that really how depressing humanity is? That we just try to have as much fun as we can as, because what, we don't know when we might breathe our last. So go out, be merry, do as much as you can in as short a space as time. What a depressing worldview to have. What Christ offers is true life. Life to the full. Life in abundance. Life that can only be found by embracing him. Life that does not end. Eternal life. That's not something you can get by going to the gym. That's not something you can get by having an experience or going on holiday. Oh, that we might know eternal life. Life that never ends. Life that never stops. All of our bodies get to a certain age and then they begin to get a little bit creaky, don't they? I'm only 27 and I think already my back's starting to play up and hurt. I dread to think how I'll be like in 30, 40 years' time. But you know, all of our bodies get to a certain age and they don't work as well as they once did. They all begin to get a bit old and achy. We all get a little bit slower. We all begin to slow down a little bit. But if you are of a certain age, and I'm not going to say what that age would be, but if you are of a certain age, I'm sure you would have been told, now you need to slow down a bit. You can't do as much now as you once did. You need to slow down. You can't do what you used to. No matter how much of a lust of life that you once had, no matter how energetic you once were, none of us can maintain it. When you were younger, you were invincible and nothing could stop you. But now, many years later, you might not be able to run that marathon you used to be able to run. We all get older, we all age, we all change. And if your hope is in this physical life, then you've got no hope at all. If your hope is in the world that we're currently living in, you're doomed. For we all die, we all perish. 
And you say, well, this isn't very cheery. A bit depressing this morning and even more depressing this evening. Lighten up, Sam. It's a new year. Haven't you got anything nice to say to us? I love it when we sing, uh, and particularly at a, at a Christian funeral. I love singing a hymn, When Peace Like a River. And I love the line, The sky, not the grave, is our goal. That's the reminder of what's to come. Our hope in life is not to have the best, nicest life with as much laughter and joy that we can fill in the 70, 80 years that we have. That's not our hope. That's not what Jesus means when he talks about life. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. The best life I will ever live will not be on this planet. The best life I will ever live will be in the next life. The best life I'll ever live will be with him in heaven. What is to come is so much more, so much better, so much greater. Our Christian faith is not about life in this world. It's about life in eternity. It's about life forever. As Christians, we have a life in Jesus, a life that death cannot defeat. Death cannot touch it. We looked a little bit at this this morning. Death cannot contain or stop the life that we have. Why? Because death could not stop Jesus. Death could not stop Jesus, and death cannot stop all who are found in him. Jesus broke free of death and rose again, and in his resurrection we share in that. For all who are trusting in Jesus today, we share in his resurrection. We share in his victory of death. And whatever this year throws at us, we are his. Death could not keep Jesus. And so death cannot keep a blood-bought child of his. That is life. Not just trying to, to go on holiday and enjoy it before work settles in and you have to be miserable again. That's not life. Life in its fullest, life in its truest sense, is a life that has no end. A life that does not stop. A life with him. Death could not hold him. Amen. And if you're trusting in him, if you know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, then you will be with him forever. Because nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. Do you know truth? Do you know the way? Do you know life this evening? If you know Jesus, you know all three.